In Advent, we are exploring the question, what are you waiting for? Various voice inflections make us think about this question. What are you waiting for? Or, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Our question today in Third Advent is, how are we kept waiting by fear? The writers of this series invite us to ask this question in one of three directions. To God, to ourselves, and finally to us as a congregation. And I invite us to a moment of silent prayer and reflection as you ask this question, how are you kept waiting by fear? Let us pray. Amen. Last week's sermon was all about location. Today's sermon, it's all about vocation. We left John the Baptist at the Jordan River, preaching from a far distance from the religious walls of the Jerusalem temple where no designated worship places separate people out of the Jordan He's preaching a baptism of repentance with a purpose. And that is to bear the fruit of doing what is right in God's eyes. It's the old reflection-action paradigm. Maybe you imagined yourself out there among the hundreds last week when you heard this story. You hear and you hang on to the freshness of John's message feeling the cold, cleansing waters of baptism, and you resolve to learn and to love and to live more fully. Whatever hopes people had for John the Baptist's leadership, they are now dashed as he is now back in Jerusalem, but not at the temple. He's in prison. He's on death row. which takes us from location to vocation as our role in life. And in chapter 14, we learn why vocation is the theme this morning. John speaks directly to King Herod about Philip, the king's brother's moral failures. John is now paying the price of a prophet who dares to speak truth to the head honcho who believes he is beyond reproach. So in chapter 11, as we heard this morning when John in prison 
heard what the Messiah was doing, and he sent word to his disciples, and he asked this question, are you the one who is to come? Are you really? Or should we be waiting for someone else? I mean, do you hear that question behind the question? Do you hear the vocation question there? These words, for me, reveal John's despair, wondering if Jesus is really the one that he, John, preached about and invited people to repent for baptism, wondering if all of his efforts have been for nothing. Have you ever felt that your vocation in life, maybe as an employee or maybe as a single adult, as a parent, as an entrepreneur, as a teacher, as a pastor, a husband or a wife, an aging senior citizen. Have you ever wondered, wherever your vocation is, your purpose in life, have you ever wondered whether this purpose has suddenly come into deep question about whether it's all worth it? Or maybe you're stuck in the prison of that 12 to 14-year-old age, between childhood and teenage adult years, Where do I fit? What do I believe? Who am I? What's so important about church? Our grandson fits this picture a little bit. He feels too old for some things and too young for others, like driving a car. I think wherever we are, whatever age we are, When our sense of who we are seems useless, it feels like a prison. So we see John huddled in those dark, dank walls of the cell, eyes closed in darkness, cheeks wet with tears, his brain and heart full of doubt, wondering how in the world prison lines up with his voice, with his role as a voice of one calling in the wilderness. It just doesn't ring true to him. Prison of any kind, I think, is when we feel stuck in a place and we don't see a way out. And there are many, aren't there? There's the prison of loneliness, severe illness. For some, it's hunger. For others, it's depression or loss. Or hate, abuse, or maybe the York Detention Center. There's a prison of homelessness and the ever-increasing reality of climate change. I mean, can you hear John the Baptist's voice in any one of these? Or one that you're naming? Are you the one, Jesus? Or is there another? My own sense of prison has been with my journey with prostate cancer, and I call it the prison with four walls of waiting. My uninvited guest, it's called sometimes. And I'm keenly aware that quite a number of you have had your own journey with health issues, and so I don't share mine to elevate myself, but it's just my story. Waiting from my June 5th appointment with my urologist to August 8th biopsy. Then we wait five more days to hear the report, 
Three weeks until the bone scan and CT scan. Five more days for those results, followed by my appointment on September 16 to review test results and move on to surgery. But that would wait another five weeks. And now eight weeks later, a radiation treatment on December 23rd, the appointment, that is, for December 23rd. And especially early on, in the midst of all this, I experienced all the emotions of waiting and not knowing. My prison was more about the waiting than the results, which I find a bit surprising, but that's how I felt. And so when I heard the results of the tests, or when I had them scheduled, I felt a sense of relief. At least we're going somewhere. We're making some progress here. I also became keenly aware, disturbingly aware, that my sense of vocation and purpose became all about me. Don't I deserve a faster response on the schedule? Can there be that many people ahead of me, really? Notice that Jesus doesn't try to convince John of anything. His answer is rather Jesus-like, isn't it? Go and tell, go and tell my disciples, meaning John's disciples, what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have brought, have, have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. Now I take all of that to mean, just look at the evidence. John, just look at the evidence. Jesus says to John in so many words, don't stumble over the fact that I don't fit your preconceptions and don't let your present circumstances define your or my vocational worth. And I wonder sometimes how John received these words when John's disciples came back to him. I like to imagine that if John can view Jesus' answer to his vocation question, then maybe John can answer his own question about vocation. I like to imagine that John begins to realize the fruits of his efforts, that they are not dependent on him being in prison or out of prison. I like to think that John reaches a turning point in his despair and fear when he hears the evidence the blind see and the lame walk. And then those all confirming words, blessed are those who do not wait for another, but who in faith accept what God is doing through Jesus. I began to feel less bound by my circumstances when my tests were scheduled, as I've said. But my own turning point came sometime in September when I realized, not necessarily all of a sudden, but I realized I can't do anything about this. Amazing, isn't it? I can't do anything about my situation. I think I used some stronger language than that, but... I can't do anything. I can't change it. 
the schedule, the test results, the surgery, the pathology report. And strangely for me, you can ask Loretta, I found a sense of peace and assurance in being out of control, which is not me so much. But it happened, and I really can't explain it, but that's my story. And I began to move from pity me to notice the evidence of God's love around me, the cards, the prayers, the phone calls, the expressions of care, a return to restful sleep. In verses 7 and 11, I find it fascinating and humorous how Jesus reassures the crowd about John's vocation. What did you go out in the wilderness to look for or look at? A reed shaken by the wind? That's not John, is it? Nothing can shake him as so we thought in chapter in the earlier chapters of the story. What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Yeah, right. It's not John, is it? What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written. I'm sending my messenger who will prepare a way before you. Jesus is not giving up on John's vocation. And then the ultimate affirmation. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So I think that how the least of these have a voice is the evidence that Jesus is the one sent by God. In other words, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news brought to them. Are you the one, Jesus? Greta Thunberg, a 16-year-old girl with an autism spectrum diagnosis, was named as the youngest ever Time Magazine Person of the Year for leading climate control awareness. She said, a loss of hope lies in the fact that people don't know what's going on. If we become aware, then change can happen. Look for the evidence. Are you the one, Jesus? Fred Rogers spoke to our nation September 11, 2001. Remember his words? Find the helpers. Find the helpers. Look for the evidence. Are you the one, Jesus? This week I read of Amish, local Amish, building tiny houses for people who lost homes in the Caribbean. They are putting together these house kits for homes to be shipped and constructed on site. Look for the evidence. Isaiah 35 describes it this way, when God arrives in our lives. It's like the desert rejoicing and blooming. It's like the lame leaping like deer. It's like the tongues of the speechless singing for joy. And say to those who are of a fearful heart, be strong. Do not fear. Ultimately, I think that John's question is one we must all answer to fully embrace our vocation as we wait in hope with our fears, despite our fears. For waiting with patience, however, can be difficult. 
but it doesn't mean waiting has no merit. Waiting in faith is hard work, just as the farmers of James 5 so eloquently are described. Farmers are some of the most patient people you'll ever meet. They have to be. They must have patience with their crop, their livestock, their equipment, and most of all, you know what's next, the weather, which they can't control. Who else could wait for months for their crop with the hope that it will turn into something? As someone said, anyone can farm, but not everyone is a farmer. So may we turn from the despair that narrates our own lives and the world in which we live. May we look for evidence to remember who God is and the promise of faithfulness that God has made to all of creation. For anyone can talk faith, but true faith lives with our fears. Let us pray. God of creation, we hear your call to rejoice and and to be awake, be ready for action. And you continue to wait patiently for us. And for us, even as we are called your beloved, yet still sometimes, God, we do feel afraid. We ask you to help us in our fear and in our unbelief. God, we know you're always present and ever faithful. Help us to put our trust in you. Amen.